follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Okay. Well, I, I uh, we're gonna we're gonna set up our transition now since we've been talking about theory and background and stuff. Um, Jr. We we kind of talked back and forth, uh, kind of kind of stepping around in ring experience a little bit and that sort of thing. Who have been some of your favorite guys to work with over the course of your career? Um, Zodiac. He's a tremendous worker. I love working with him. Uh, Blind Hillbilly John Strange. We've had some great matches together against each other and as a tag team. Same with uh-huh. Zodiac. Uh, Stevie P, uh, Stan Sierra, guys like that. I've had some fantastic matches with those guys over the years. Uh, I know all of them, and they've they've been you know good folks. Um, you you mentioned uh, you know I worked shows with with Zodiac way back. Um, John Strange was there's a like I can count on one hand the number of people that I've worked with that have always been straight up and good to me in the wrestling business and and you and John Strange really have been are like the two two of two of that group right there John's he's just been a class act every time I've met him um and he, he does some crazy stuff. You, if you met, just met John Strange, you wouldn't figure he'd do some crazy stuff. But but I've seen him do some wacky things. Yeah, he sure can. I've, done, I've seen him do the Spanish Fly. Uh, me and him done. We've done pendulum power bombs and matches. He can do some do some stuff. Yes, sir. <clears throat> if you were to look back, um, are there some some moments in your career that you look at and you say this was. This was a, a moment or a match or a night that that's worth uh, this is a standout time. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of times like uh, I've worked at Zodiac once and we made the uh, full spread page of the Georgetown Weekender like full print cover. And oh then, wow! Yeah, and then I worked John at a show down in Florida one night and I did like a we were the cover of the. the their Weekender magazine. They did a whole story on the show we did. And so those are pro- a couple of highlights. And then and, uh, just some of the, the names in business that I've developed friendships with, like uh, Rob Conway, me and him are pretty close friends. Uh, um, Lanny Poffo, I talked to him. On, like He talked to me about his daughter and his grandkid that still lives here in Lexington and sends me pictures of his grandson. So what? just some of the relationships that I've developed throughout the years with guys. That's really cool. Yeah. I've heard Ron, Rob Conway's a real stand-up guy. I've never met him myself. Oh yeah, he's super, super, super. Um, one of the biggest—I'd say—the biggest highlight of my career is when it involves with Rob. I was booked on the Battle of the Border show, 
Okay. And like two weeks before the show date, and I didn't know who I was working. The promoter called me. He's like, well, I got a match for you. He's like, I was talking to some of the guys on the show, and this is who you're working. It's like I was talking to Rob Conway, and I was going down the roster saying, this is who's on the show, this is who's on the show. And Rob Conway requested to work me on the show. So I was like, okay, that's cool. I know Rob. That'd be great. Cool. <laughs> so Rob Conway requested me personally. You know, I was like, well, I've, I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. Um, have you, one of my favorite people to work with, was uh, John Noble? Have you had have you had the the opportunity to tangle with him much? I have. Um, when I worked for HCW, he was one of the mainstays on our roster, and I worked several matches with him there. Uh, a couple other companies, and then at AMW, we had a really good TV match last year. I think it was. But yeah, I, I like John. He's a great guy. Yeah, John is. Uh, John was one of those veterans who was who was always willing. It seemed like to do stuff for for younger guys because, in his words, eh, what the heck, right? And so, yeah. I, some of my favorite matches have been with with John Noble, and then some of them, some of them have been with Alex Angel too. Um, he and I just kind of seem oh, to play. Yeah, I've had some really good matches with Alex. I like Alex a lot. So. Um, Of uh, I, I'm not I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to try and pull the U shoot and try and and, and backdoor away to get you to bury anybody. Um, is there? So I'm I'm going to stay away from that because I I just I, I don't I don't think that's a good way of doing business. But are there um, are there people out there that that you 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 want to work with but you haven't gotten a chance to yet? Uh, yeah, there's a couple on my list. Uh, I've never got to work with Victor Bruiser. A couple okay. of times we were booked to work each other, but then something fell through. Uh, we didn't get to work each other. Uh, I've been on setups for matches with Ryan Dukey on two different companies. Okay. Both times when we were hopping up the, the match, the company closed their doors both times and never ran another show. Oh. I didn't get my match with Ryan and uh, Cliffhanger. Those are probably the top three that I haven't got to work that I'd like to work. I'd met two of the three of those once. I met uh, I met Ryan once, and he seemed like a super guy when I met him. Yeah. Um, and I met I met Vic once. At, were you at the the big Wrestle War show in uh, Shop? Oh, okay. I couldn't remember oh. if you were there or not. It's I saw so many faces there. Um. I went up. I'd never met Vic before. I waited for him to finish conversation. I said, Vic, it's nice to meet you. This is my name. If you want to do anything with me, you just let me know. I'm going to be right over there, and I hope you have a good night. And I walked away in my head going, please don't want to do anything with me. Please don't want to do anything with me because <laughs> you hear some stories, you know. Uh, you hear some stories about Vic. And uh, another one, another person you mentioned I want to I want to. Um, compliment Stevie P was also uh, when I was working in USWF um, Stevie was really good to me and he saw he saw a lot in me um, he would I think he was going to set me up as a uh, run as tag champs with cousin Jed right there before um, before Wrestle War and then I think his work schedule changed and he quit working for a while so it was always yeah. kind of a shame. I, 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 kind of, I, I wanted to 
wanted to do more with Stevie, but I never got the chance. Yeah, yeah, he took some time off. Uh, he had some injuries, and he moved for, to Florida for a while. And then when me and John Strange were running New Origins, he came back and worked there, and then he took some more time off. And then when Rated X reopened USWF, he started working again. But now okay. he's off. He's had a groin injury, so he's off. Ooh. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah, I always, I always wanted to do more with Stevie, but I always appreciated what he did. Is there... Okay, now, uh, I'm going to shift to kind of more stylistic stuff. You you mentioned, you know, you kind of like this brawler thing. You mentioned one of our favorite words on this podcast, roughneck. We're always a fan of that roughneck stuff. Um, Matt's mentioned it in regards with, like, it's what Stephen Regal did and, and uh, you know, some older guys and stuff. Is there someone, is there a particular style that some people work that you're just like, I really don't want to work with that? Uh, just people that just want to work nothing but high spots and don't have any psychology and don't try to work the crowd. <laughs> oh, that's hard to argue with that. Uh, um, did, you, did you ever work in McKinney, Shad, when we were running? Yeah. When you were, okay, you know how hot McKinney was, right? Oh, yeah. All right, one night... Um, we were just doing a regular show. We had two guys we'd never had there before, and they had to try out for Ring of Honor the next night. So they went out there, and they did their Ring of Honor match. The uh-huh. first guy went straight to the ring, no crowd work. second guy went straight to the ring, no crowd work. The yeah. only reason you could tell there was a match in the ring is because of the bumping. You could hear the guys bumping. There was no crowd reaction of any kind. They got nothing from that old-school crowd in McKinney. Wow. In McKinney? Yeah. They got nothing? Nothing. I McKinney is one of the places where in in my few babyface runs, McKinney is one of the places I've been most over. And they didn't even see, you know, I I wasn't even there a whole lot, but they loved me and I don't understand how you could not get a reaction in McKinney. Yeah, like well they didn't try to even acknowledge the crowd. They just did all those hot spots one after another, didn't do anything and Man. No reaction. Well, that's, you know what, that's kind of perversely interesting of, of you know, how do, how do you sink the unsinkable ship? How do you not get over in McKinney, right? Yeah, that's what we all thought, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, guys, I need a second to think of something. Have you got anything you'd like to... Do you Do you have, like, a particular state or, like a certain style of crowd you prefer to work in front of or in a, what's your favorite state to work in, I guess with that. Uh, I mean, it's all about the same as long as the crowd's good. Like the fans are good anywhere you go. I mean, as long as they're just not sitting on their hands, as long as they're involved and enjoying the show, that's the kind of crowd you want to work in front of. It doesn't matter if there's 10 or 300, as long as the crowd is involved, uh, it's just good to work in front of them. No matter now, where you're. Is it weird, like, if you, like, sometimes I, I know you can be, like, working a match, and I've been in crowds like that where the crowd kind of is really quiet, but it's because they're, like, watching. Like, they're invested, but they're just, like, more invested in, like, what's actually going on than necessarily reacting at that moment. Is that a little weird, if you've ever dealt yeah. with that? Yeah, it can be. Yeah, it, it definitely throws you off a little bit. But yeah, definitely for sure. So this is something I've, I've asked um, no, Shad in the past. Um, so 
What's it like, like, if you're working for a company and they they decide to put a championship belt on you? Like, is that what's that like? Is like a worker like what goes through your head like when they when they start having that conversation with you? Um, depends on the company. A lot of times, like, I mean, it's it's awesome, you know, that they want you to be a champion uh, and they have that much faith in you, but it's also a commitment you've got to be able to make like, Hey, if you're getting this belt, you've got to be at every show you can't miss kind of thing. So kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, there's a lot of guys that that's all they, that's all they care about are belts. Um, but you know, you don't really need a belt to get over. Uh, as long as you're a good worker, maybe you can get the belt over, but I mean, it's always an honor to be considered a champion or have a belt at any company. There's a lot of different philosophies about having a belt or getting a belt. Depending on who you talk to, it's a nice tool to have to use. I yeah, think. definitely, definitely. Right. Um, I think I, I didn't have much in the way on that sort of thing, but it was it's it's a nice tool to be able to have because it's another club in your bag, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. I'm sorry. So I'm it, not trying to override. I'm trying to agree. Oh no, you're you're fine. <laughs> um. So, you, as a brawler, do you like to blade and bleed a bit, or just uh, as necessary. Just as necessary. Most of the people we work with today in Kentucky haven't been trained how to do that, so the majority of the guys don't know how, unless it's like some of the guys working longer than me because it's been outlawed for so long, so there's not a lot of occasion for it or call for it anymore. Okay. But there's always moments like a big cage match or some kind of big blow-off definitely, definitely need that in there somewhere. Okay, cool. Um, what the, so you have your, your strap gimmick. Do you do like a lot of strap matches? I do. Usually I'll use it to kind of fuel a feud and then have the blow off be a big strap match. Now, do, do you do like the, the touch the four corners kind of strap match or is that? No, most of the time, do... most of the time it's touch the four corners. Sometimes it'll be just a pinfall. The majority of the time, it's the full corners. Okay. So do you do anything? I, I know you have your strap. Do you do anything like, you know, the boogie woogie man where you have like a name for your strap or anything? <laughs> oh, no, I don't have a name for it. Because <laughs> I, I think Jimmy Valiant, he had his like, what, his axe handle or something that he named like Bertha or something. Yeah. Yeah, there's a guy that works in Indie Circuit. He's got an axe handle he calls Higgins right now. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. What did Negan call his stupid bat in Walking Dead? Fusil. Oh, that's right. It it's funny the um the last uh Comic Con I went to Yeah, it was the last one. Uh I I, I threw on my Cactus Jack stuff cuz I was going to go meet uh I met uh Dustin Rhodes while I was there and uh I went up to go meet on the way to go meet Dustin, I came across like four Negans, and every time I walked by, I'm like, you stole my gimmick! Um, <laughs> and then I went to go meet Dustin, and he looks at it, I was like, I'd like to get a picture with you. He says, only if I can hold that bat. <laughs> Alright. No problem, Dustin. No problem at all. Are there um, are there any guys in the... Speaking of... I know, I know I've said this before, but speaking of... Um, you know, bigger names. Are there any of them you wished you'd ever gotten to to train with or work with, like particular people? Uh, as far as like 
guys that were in the WWE and WCW kind of thing. Just if you can would consider them a big name, but you never got to work with them. I don't oh. want to restrict it down at all. Anybody from the golden era of wrestling from the 80s in WCW, NWA, or WWE, any of those guys would be great to work with. But, I mean, I've been on, had my fair share of being on shows with a lot of names, so I consider myself lucky there. But there's always more. I mean, who wouldn't want to do, like, work one show with Hogan or work one show with Flair or any of those kind of superstars? You know what I mean? Uh, that's fair enough. Uh, I, I've been of the opinion that I always wanted to work either train with or work with Dustin because he kind of there's a lot of stuff that I was I was a fan of doing and um he he Dustin espoused a lot of like do more with less kind of stuff that I I got to be a big fan of wow. so his dad too his dad was phenomenal was oh, great yeah. to work with his dad or um, maybe Terry Gordy or somebody like that I like those kind of guys Sure. Okay. Mid-South, Duggan? Yeah, Duggan, DiBiase, and those guys that were in Mid-South would be great to work with. Do you have a... Um, uh, we mentioned the brawler thing. Is is there a a tendency you have uh, in, in your psychology towards something like like uh, in my psychology, it, it seemed like that I would I would tend towards working a leg a lot. Um, I guess my stuff was kind of brawlerish, but it was more of a Steve Blackman, Ken Shamrock brawlerish. Mm-hmm. So, do you, do you find you kind of trend towards a particular? Um, I don't want to say like you don't fall into a rut, but is there a particular trend that feels natural for you to kind of go in in terms of your psychology? Oh, my psychology is very, very basic. Like, you go out there, you get the crowd pissed off. Uh, you get in the ring, punch, kick, stomp, break the eyes, taunt the crowd, taunt your opponent, taunt the referee, punch, kick, stomp. Just try to make everybody as mad as possible. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy stuff. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, what is something in your, in your, your healing, I guess, um, that you see, you see people. You would say they're not doing right, or yeah, you're doing this wrong. What's something you would you would want to encourage people, like what to do right? I guess uh, a lot of the younger guys, like when they're they're doing their heel stuff, like the facial expressions, like they don't put any effort into their facial expressions. Don't look at the crowd. Like I saw one guy trying to get heat, and he was looking at the mat in the ring. He wasn't looking at the crowd. You gotta you gotta make con- eye contact with the crowd to get that interaction to get that like you know like they know you're talking to them even if you're not you know you're just talking to everybody but you gotta just lock eyes for a second with somebody in the crowd so you know you get the interaction across you can't get that if you're looking down at the mat trying to, to cut a promo or talk trash and you're not making eye contact with anybody okay what's um what do you look for in the crowd whenever you're doing that sort of stuff are you looking for like that that particular is there a particular kind of person you're looking for or anything like that? Uh, just trying to find somebody that looks like they're live and they're ready to go and they want to be involved. That way you can get them up and going and then that'll spread to the rest of the crowd. Okay. Because if you just get one person that's hot and doesn't, doesn't like it, they can get the rest of the crowd going too. Um, I have a question. Uh, you can correct me if this is wrong because I'm just looking at your match, some of your match results on uh, Cage Match. 
Mm-hmm. What was it like working a match with Dutch Mantel as the referee? Oh, uh, that was, I think, was that the double strap match or was that a cage match? Oh, it was. Tag, tag I just lost it. Match. I think it was me it, and Jack against Jimmy Felcher and... Uh, 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 Johnny Long. Yeah. Yeah, it was a strap uh, match. That was, it was good. Uh, Dutch was great. You know, he's super, super smart about the business. It was, just, it was really awesome to be able to have Dutch be the referee for that match. It was great. I loved it. That was at the Pro Wrestling Freedom, I think. I, I hope he did the. Um, I hope he was in his little Zeb Coulter rascal <laughs> while he was refereed. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I really enjoyed it. That's cool. I like Dutch. He's always interesting to listen to um, talk. Dutch has a. It seems to me he has a great mind for the business. He's very good oh. at, um, at 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 the the process and and that sort of stuff. He also named his whip. I remember that. <laughs> what um, is there any any particular location where you've I, either you don't like working there or the crowd's been enough? You just had enough experience there when you're just like, screw it, I ain't working there anymore. I'm not going back to this town. Um, there's been a couple of towns like that. Since uh, long since I've been in any of them. I know we, I worked all of Hill a couple of times. We never drew good crowds there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we finally just quit going back. It was at the armory. Okay. Uh, most, most of the time we have at least decent crowds, like especially if we're trying to build some shows, but like the one-off shows usually don't, you, know, you get stuck with bad crowds. But the biggest one that sticks out to all of Hill, we ran an armory, I don't know, maybe half a dozen times we never drew anything there. Okay. I, I had, uh, the, I went and did Moorhead with new OCW a couple of times and Carl Perkins. Yeah. And, and the college kids showing up were just so much more interested in trying to take the piss out of everything than enjoying the show that I was just like, screw it. I'm not, not going back there. So that's, that's what spurred the question on. Um, let's see. Um, we, we talked about this off air, but how many states have you worked in? Or you can just uh, name them off, too. Uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana, Ohio, West Virginia, Florida. I'm trying to think if that's all of them. But right off the top of my head, I've worked those, all those regularly. I'm trying to think of, oh, uh, Michigan and Chicago. I've only done those once, been to those both once apiece. Uh, and I've got an open invitation I've never made over there to do it, to go work at HCW Heritage in England. I've just never packed my bag and went. <laughs> oh, you got to do that just nice. so you can say you've done it. You can say you're an international <laughs> superstar. Yeah. And then uh, Fiji Wildman, he's been going to Japan and working. He wants me to go over there with him. So I've, always, I've got that opportunity as well. I haven't decided if I can go or when I can go. Yeah. That's really cool. cool. I've I've heard tell of Fiji Wildman, but I've never crossed uh, crossed paths with him. So he's only been in the business three or four years. He's not not been working very long. Maybe five years tops. I guess I'm I'm impressed that uh, he's been in the business that short a time, already working in Japan and that sort of thing. Um, what it is, he's deaf, and uh, he worked for an all deaf company over there. All the wrestlers on the show are deaf. Oh, that's interesting. I 
it never even occurred to me that that could be a thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Do you know what the name of that company is? I'm I'm really curious now. Uh, off the top of my head, no, I don't remember what it's called. Okay. Uh, I, can, I can find out and send the information to you through Shad. Okay, I'd be interested to know. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I'd never uh, never considered that as a, a thing before. Um. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Well, how did you make the connection for the uh, the show in Great Britain or the company there? Um, when I wrestled for HCW here in Kentucky, uh-huh. a guy that had went to HCW Heritage in England in the 90s and wrestled. They were like sister companies, and some of their guys okay. came up here. So when I started working for them, I got that connection. Cool. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. So- do you ever have to like go and work in some building when it's a hundred degrees out and there's no AC in the building? Yes, it's terrible, terrible. Especially this summer during the fair shows and festivals, oh going buildings and you just feel like you're gonna melt. <laughs> it's, it's um, it's just as terrible as a fan. I had to go to a Ring of Honor show and they did like the fairgrounds in Columbus and the building didn't have AC and I wanted to die. Yeah, um, just this past summer we were at the Pulaski County Fair here in Kentucky, and uh, it was so hot the referee got out of the ring and started vomiting. It was so hot. Oh god! Oh god! Wow! <laughs> he and wow, he's. Here's the thing: referees. I, I feel like they do more than people give give them credit for. Uh, I don't. I don't feel like they're they're, they're not. Well, they're not taking bumps, so it's not quite as. Tough, but if the ref is rolling out of the ring puking, I can't imagine what the what you guys felt like in that. Yeah, it was really hot. <laughs> <laughs> so bet. when you guys do fair shows, what are the crowds like for that? Is that like, are you really like, is that really just like a lottery? Like they might be good, they might be bad, like there might be no one, there might be a bunch of people. Like what's that like? Uh, it just depends work? on where the, the ring is set up at. Sometimes you get lucky and it's right off the midway. Sometimes not so lucky, and it's way in the back somewhere. So it's kind of hit and miss. That's interesting. They've done it at the fair here a couple times, like when um, Adam Pierce was the NWA champion. Mm-hmm. And they did really well one year, but they paid money for it, and then they did it a second year, but they cheaped out on the talent, and then no one came. Uh, oh. Uh, like they had, like, Scott Steiner and, like, Abyss the first year. Oh, right on, yeah. And then I think like um, Chance Profit was the biggest name the second year, yeah. And then it didn't do so well. Uh, this year alone with USWF, we did the right at twenty fairs and a couple of festivals. I- I'd seen the the posts going up for the the fair shows. Yeah, it's been a busy summer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't doubt it. Ooh. Th- this is more of a jokey. This is more of a jokey question, but let's say let's say you get you know however someone would contact you, and you realize it's the insane clown posse asking you to do a Juggalo Championship Wrestling show. Do you take the booking? Uh, I would. I've got some friends that work for JCW, and that show in Michigan I went to was actually a JCW show. Uh, they do the gathering every year, uh, and I've had offers to go do like the tour up to the gathering and work it. I just. Sometimes my work schedule won't allow it, but yeah, I mean, I would. They pay really good, so they're huge wrestling fans. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. Have you ever heard the um, 
the story with Terry Funk and the Insane Clown Posse from his book? I have not. So you remember how they they, they did those tapes like with those um I think they were ICW matches with Cactus Jack and Terry Funk. Uh-huh. So there was kind of some bad blood because they didn't pay they didn't like pay them for their rights. So they went to his house and they were like they kind of smoothed things over and they're like, well, we want to leave you some money for this. And Terry Funk's like, oh, you don't have to. Like, well, we're just going to leave it here on the table. And Terry Funk was like, oh, well, that's cute. They probably left me like 20 bucks, 40 bucks if I'm lucky. And they left him like two grand. Oh, that's awesome. Wait, wait, hang on. Matt, can we get Terry Funk on the line to get his his thoughts on this? <laughs> You're a goddamn coward. <laughs> You're a goddamn coward, Tommy Dreamer. I need to actually like listen to that again because I feel like my Terry Funk, um, my my exact impression is not. It's kind of slowly like dwindling. I need to get the, <laughs> the proper like Texas accent yeah. down again. We we did. Oh gosh, which one was it that we did, guys? It was November to remember. Remember ninety eight. Yeah, ninety eight. Yeah, we did that, and Terry Funk was the highlight of the show, and Matt just picked up and ran with it, which was a lot of fun. Um. Because that's good, because we need to get through watching the rest of that show. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then we found out that he put out an album in Japan. Yes. Oh, yes. Album. He put out an entire album of, what could you call it, pop songs? Well, he did, um, he did a Jimmy Hart song from Memphis for that. <laughs> he did, like, We Hate School or something. The uh, Destroyer had some uh, Christmas albums in Japan. Back in the day. Really? Mm-hmm. Just like him singing Merry Christmas and stuff like that in Japanese. He has like some, he has some golf course, like it's some Japanese version of golf that he had opened in Ohio at some point. Wow. Okay. I had never heard that before. That's, that's fun. And there's video of him wrestling a bear. <laughs> Oh, the destroyer. <laughs> a yeah. lot of those old school yeah. guys did. I think Tracy Smothers did too. Yeah. Piper, Piper did. Wrestled? Yeah, Piper yeah. wrestled a bear, right? The, there was a rib involved on it, though, because whoever was psyching him up for it kept rubbing honey on the small of his back. <laughs> and uh, so the bear kept trying to flip him over, and he thought the bear was trying to kill him. <laughs> so. Well, they taught, like, some of them, it depended on the bear, but some of them they taught to do, like, snap mares and stuff. They're really bizarre matches to watch. I bet. There was a, I don't know if you guys uh, saw this, It's I think it's easily available on, like, YouTube, but uh, I think it was, like, main event or something like that. There was a, this is, like, a few years back when uh, Daniel Bryan uh, was doing commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was for, like, main you know what it may have been, may have been. It was just like years ago because I think it was even like um, Matt Bloom is still like actively wrestling or something. Uh, Excuse me, that's Tensai. Oh, Tensai, Lord Tensai. Um, <laughs> uh, but Daniel Bryan did this running bit over a course of like uh, I think just one episode, but he was talking about bears and wrestling bears, and he became obsessed with it. And he, it was just this running joke that he kept going back to. And then I think it was like he was watching a match with. Um, with Tensai and and like Tensai throws on a bear hug and Daniel Bryan just loses his shit. He's like, <laughs> there it is. There it is. The bear hug. 
There, and literally, they, they, they cut to him. <laughs> the camera cuts to him, and he's practically like pulling his hair out. <laughs> he's like so excited. <laughs> There's one, and it's I think it's Gordy solely on commentary talking about how like the bear is nature's natural wrestler or yes. something. I remember that. I've heard that clip. Okay, the bear, Jr. Um, nature's natural wrestler. <laughs> the bear about to throw a German back belly to back play. <laughs> So, Jr., is there um, has there been anything in your uh, in your career you look back at and you go, I wanted to do that. I wish I had. Um, I don't know. Maybe try to make more of a push to to move up to some bigger indie shows, like a higher level, maybe for more exposure. But you know, okay. I've done a little bit of everything in the business. I've wrestled. I've managed. I've refereed. I've help run promotions I've booked and all sorts of things, you know, just done a little bit of all of it, but you know, I've never really tried to make any kind of big push to move up the, the ladder. Uh, one thing I would really wish I had done is gotten a PWI 500. Uh, one year at one point there was a uh, Zodiac and Showtime Sean Christopher. Uh-huh. And they were both listed in the PWI 500. And when it has the little blurbs that talks about the guy, yeah, all it talked about was Zodiac's feud with me and Sean Christopher's feud with me, but somehow I got left down to 500. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that, I kind of wish I'd made it that year since those two guys were in it and their feuds were, the thing was all about their feuds with me, but I didn't make it for some reason. <laughs> um, I thought you had to pay to get in like under a certain point in the PWI. You may, I don't know. I've never, you know, they may have sent stuff in. I'm not sure. I never did. I just, you know, would like to have been in there. I never. No, I know. Sure. I know you've got to send some stuff in yourself because there was one guy that I worked with that there is no way in hell that he would have been in it on his own, <laughs> on his own merits, and yet there he is at like you know four eighty two or something. Oh, right on. That, that used to be my favorite part of the PWI, though. Like I, in the early two thousands, like those guys you never saw and probably don't exist on film, but were like those mainstays of like the bottom 50, like Mr. Ooh La La and the Japanese pool boy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned booking. Um, could you share a little bit about, about your booking philosophy? What are, what are your do's and don'ts when it goes to that? Uh, just try to get guys that, you know, you can work, not just book guys that's a hag come for cheap or hardly anything at all. Cause they want to work a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, stick Stick with guys that you know can go out there and put on a good show and make the crowd happy. Okay. Uh, a lot of times I had partners I was booking with, and we'd get arguments about who to book because they'd want to book cheaper guys. Yeah. Who you didn't think they could work or not. And I might want to book somebody cost them more, but I knew they could could go out there and put on a good show. Okay. For the 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 stuff on the show itself, is there a is there a formula you like to use or? Um, is there a particular particular stories you like to do over the course of stuff? Um, you know, it, just try to make everything make sense and make it believable and something that the crowd can relate to. It doesn't have to be any kind of crazy, absurd storyline. Just something that the crowd can be like, oh, yeah, I can see that. You know, something that they can get behind or not get behind if it's a story for one of the heels. Okay. Uh can I ask a question about like some booking philosophy stuff? 
So I think um, one thing I noticed that I think a lot of people neglect when they talk about wrestling, especially online, is match placement when you're booking. How much thought did you like give to like where you plugged matches and people into the card? Uh, there's a formula for that. The first, the, the first match and the last match on the card need to be your best two matches. The second match needs to be your worst match on the card, and anything in between is filler. Okay, that's interesting. The reason for that is the first match gets the crowd hopped up and ready to go. They're ready to see some action. Then you put your your worst match on the card in the two-hole, which it'll kind of get forgotten about there because you just had a great match and you have that uh, bad match that kind of buries it and kind of hides it a little bit. And then you use your other matches to build back up to the main event. Okay, so you, you shouldn't put, like... So... You should is is the is um is the spot before the main event considered the death spot at all or is that uh, just I don't think so. Um it doesn't have to be a great match. Uh it just needs to be a solid match. And the thing about booking these days compared by booking in the old days, everybody wants to go out there and be like, Oh, I gotta have a five star match. You've gotta throw in a squash match somewhere to try to get a guy over. They don't all have to be five star matches. Like you can just have a guy going there and squashes about three minutes and have a great match. Uh, there's been times when I was working as a heel, I came into this company and I was just wreaking all kinds of havoc. And, and I guess it was a semi-main or the main event. I went out there and I got beat in 10 seconds. It took a choke slam and I was more over than anybody because the crowd went crazy when they beat me after all the, the shitty stuff I'd done building up to that. <laughs> all the dirty tactics I'd used. And it didn't matter that I lost. The crowd was just so happy to see me lose. That, that's what was over. They always, when, when Liger would job in New Japan in the 90s, he always lost in, like, sub-five-minute matches. Yeah. Is there, are, are you a fan of the Babyface Chases the Heel championship story or the Babyface with the title takes on all comers kind of stuff? I guess Flair-style champion or Hogan-style champion? Traditionally, I like uh, Babyface chasing the heel. Okay. But... Uh, depends on your town. Like uh, in Frankfurt, KPW, they're a babyface champion town, so they want to see the babyface with the title. But uh, traditionally, I like the the babyface chasing that heel for the belt. Okay. So it kind of depends on, I guess, the uh, the expectations that the crew, that the company is setting up, or the style with it, or something like that. Uh, it's just the taste of the fans. Like a lot of the places around here, they like to see the heel, uh, you know, the baby chasing the heel. But particularly in Frankfurt, like they love it when the baby's the champion. Uh, attendance of the shows dips a little bit when you got the heels running with all the titles. They like the baby face champions. Gotcha. So what? What? Um. How do you? How do you learn these things about these towns? Just by attendance, or is uh, there like? Just attendance, you know, like uh, we've been running here in Frankfurt for three years, so you just got to take stock of what happens when you're doing certain things, you know, keep a booking book and make notes on how it goes. And just from experience, you know, I've been working the tri-state areas in 20 years, so, you know, you get to know the towns and the fans and stuff and ins and outs when you work the same areas for so long. And then you get to see some of those same fans over and over again, right? Dude, there's some fans that come to every show, every independent show in Kentucky, and there's some that just go to some of them. 
Yeah. So you get a lot of the same faces that are diehard wrestling fans. Is it the... From all stories I've heard from Jim Cornette and other people, it's the old ladies you have to watch out for. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. Oh, man. They got a screwdriver what they got in their purse. <laughs> I was going to ask. This, Eric, go ahead, Brad. Go ahead. He told this story once, and I think it was world class. It almost started a riot because this old lady like tried to hit him with a chair and fell over. <laughs> and... The crowd like got really upset about it. That's kind of so. a good question. Like, Jr., have you ever been in a match where things got really like heated or or weird? Like the lines between kayfabe and and you know, it would, did they get blurred and people actually potentially rioted? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, there was a show with uh, Carl Perkins and Moorhead once. It was with uh, Thoroughbred. And uh, Appalachian uh, Appalachian Pro, and uh, the two promoters were kind of like working the boys and working the fans, and uh, well, it turned into a big ride. Like uh, a lot of the wrestlers rioted, and they slapped one of the promoters off the stage, and then some of the fans got involved, and some people's tires got slashed. So yeah, oh my god, (laughs) you don't yeah, that goes back to the old the old story is you don't screw the boys. Yeah, so there's been been around several instances like that. Wow! Did your tires make it out unscathed? Uh, mine made it. May I made it home? Yeah, mine were fine, but uh, some of the other guys' tires got slashed. And then, not too recently, this here at the uh, one of the fair shows, uh, like a bunch of the wrestlers, like heels and stuff, were getting like fans were uh, sticking sticks in their tailpipes and stuff after the show, like, trying to clog their mufflers and stuff up. So wow. it still happened. So, Red, so are you the Oh, sorry. Oh, I've been at shows where fans came across the the guardrail with the glass soda bottle to try to hit workers and stuff. <laughs> wow. Have you? Um, what's your What's your 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 best story about a fan? Um, you getting that much heat uh, yourself? Uh, um, there's been a couple like that. Like I'll get up in these like old men's faces. There's one in Frankfurt not too long ago. We've got like the Security girls made of plastic, mm-hmm. and he was trying to push the barricade down, like crawl across it, and security was trying to hold him back. So that was that was pretty good here recently. Uh-huh. But just stuff like that, like I'll like open up the barricade at some of the shows and like dare the fans to come across, you know, that kind of thing. Get them mad till no end. Like I've had people throw stuff at me, spit on me, throw trash, water bottles, that kind of stuff. Is it, do you ever do you ever just like look peek through that curtain and you just see a familiar face and get a little gleam in your eye like oh this is gonna be so easy oh definitely definitely yeah like if you see those regular fans and you know the ones that get hot if you look out there and you see them you know that's who you're gonna go after just to start the show to get them riled up so so along with those lines are you the type of person that when things are starting to get tense where you're just like maybe I should pull back a little bit or are you just like Eh, I don't know any better. I'm just going to take this as far as... I, I take it as far as I can go. I'm one of those heels that get all the heat that I can get, and I take it to the point where if they're going to come across with security rails, the security's going to have to stop them. No, that's what you say. Pedal to the floor, right? Yep. I, I did wonder that about the regular fans. Like, if you just look out there, like, before the show, and you're like, oh, there's, like, there's Bert in the crowd, like... I know exactly what I'm going to do before the match. 
Well, even like some of the casual fans, you know, they'll come to the show and not think that they'll get sucked in as much as they do. And then those are the people you can really get because they get so mad and they don't even know why they're doing it because they got sucked into the whole show. It's, it's great when you can do that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, it, what is something that... I'm trying to pick my words for this well. What is something about the wrestling business that seems to escape uh, most people, or, or people don't seem to realize. Like uh, the the wrestlers, people in the business, or the fans? The I'm going to start with the fans. We'll do the fans, and then we'll do the wrestlers. Uh, I don't know if there's much that escapes the fans anymore. Like Everybody's so smart to the business, and like you can get all the information on the internet, and all the shoot videos, and sh- shoot interviews and stuff. I mean, it's hard to keep anything from the fans these days. So, I mean, I don't know if there's anything that they don't get. Uh, maybe they just don't get... One thing I would say maybe they don't get is the love that the, some of the wrestlers have for the business. You know, a lot of them might just think it's a paycheck, but, you know, it's the kind of business you really got to love it to do it. Mm-hmm. I had, um, I had a, a more veteran person tell me once, he said, the thing you got to remember is everybody who's actually in this business is a mark in one way or another. Don't let people start trying to tell you, oh, okay. you know dumb marks it's like no you're you're a mark too you're in here doing this yep right and then what what would you say that the the a lot of wrestlers don't seem to get um especially these days the younger guys they don't get the more effort you put in the more you're going to get out like some of these companies i've been with like they got guys who train for like two weeks and they're like oh i'm ready for a title i'm ready for my first match and it's like no you're not you're not <laughs> uh, I just recently had to, to fire a guy at the, one of the companies I worked at because he's been working going on three years. Uh, he's been with two or three different companies, but he didn't want to put any kind of effort in. He didn't want to come to training. He's not making any effort to get better, but he thinks like all his matches are like the top quality matches. Mm-hmm. And in really reality, like he gets out there and he doesn't listen to the, the guys call the match and they end up just beating the holy hell out of him and the matches look awful. Have you had have you had many of those occasions where it's it you've had someone you ended up just having to 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 go stiff on because they weren't getting it or or they they thought they were getting something over on you or anything like that? Not a ton, but I mean there have been been occasions like I uh, I guess it's probably been six seven years ago I was working with a guy and. Like, I'm trying to talk to him, and he just, like, froze up. You know, I'm like, hey, take my arm, you know, put me an arm ringer. Take my arm. And he just, like, what? What? This arm? So when he finally did, like, when I was spun around, I just drilled him in the face. <laughs> you got to get something back, right? Yeah, yeah. But, well, there's another example. There's a guy I was working up in uh, Indiana, and he was 16. It was me and him and another guy in a three-way but the 16-year-old kid didn't want to have nothing to do with talk about working the match. He wanted to talk to his buddy that was with him playing on his phone. So I told the other guy, I said, you and him, work out whatever you want to do. I said, me and you'll do something. And I told that one kid, I said, at the finish, I said, you're taking the boot, turn your head, you know. So when the finish came around, he took the boot and he didn't turn his head and he got his lip split. And he tried to blame it on me. I was like, no, listen, you little punk. I said, I told you to turn your head. I said, it's your own damn fault. You didn't listen. You're too busy playing on your phone. Yeah. That's, that, yeah, that's fair. 
that was something that I, I would tend to do with people is whenever I was going to take their finish, I would ask them, is there something I should know about taking the finish from you? Like that, that's going to make this better. Yeah. Um, cause you know, it's when, when I, when I was using the, um, the, the jumping DDT, I would tell them, it's like, look, when I get to the top, I'm going to let go. It's on, it's on you on the, from there. Right. I'm not going to yeah. cinch up on you and try and, and, and drop you on your head or anything, but I'm also not going to guide you the whole way down. So, um, and I had one guy who he, yeah, he got pissy with me about it. He's like, you dropped me onto my head. I said, I told you we get to the top. I let go and it's on you from there. Yep. So, all right, guys, do you have anything else you want to, you want to pitch in or, um, what are your thoughts on, I don't even remember that idiot's name now. That douche that like took liberties with those kids in the ring. Like, oh, I don't even remember when it was. That DJ Macaroni guy or something. Yeah. What, what's your thoughts on guys like him that take obvious liberties with people that are trusting them with their safety? Uh, he shouldn't be in the business, and it'll it'll come around. What goes around comes around. He'll get his. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a big business, but it's a small business at the same time. So eventually, somebody will. Get a hold of him, and he'll come back. You're you're always going to bump into someone meaner than you, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, that's that's in my head. That that <laughs> the ladder of that it goes up and up and up, and then it hits Ming and it stops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, that's yeah. Um, I I kind of mentioned earlier. You hear you hear some stories about about Vic every now and then, and I kind of. I kind of think that that's that's one of the reasons that you hear stories about Vic is that um, you get some people who think that they're you know they they've got it or something like that and then they come up across Vic and Vic ain't having none. Yeah, it's just that you know if you respect and do what you're supposed to, and Vic likes it. It's an easy match. If not, not so easy match. I mean, that's the same same way. I'm a lot of the old school guys are like that. Yeah, uh, I've worked. A couple of guys. I looked at this guy. He'd only been in the business a year, and he said he'd never been to another company. He never had any type of real offense. He's like, can I call the whole match? And I'm like, what? I was like, no. I was like, I've been in this almost 20 years. You're not calling the whole match. I said, we'll talk about some stuff that you like to do. I said, and you can call a couple of spots. I was like, no, you're calling the whole match. I told him, I said, look, this is how it works. I said, if you call something and you go out there and you screw it up, I said, you're lunch me. It's over. Mm-hmm. So, when we did get to the point where he was supposed to call some stuff, he all he knew how to do was like basic stuff anyway, headlock, hip toss. He didn't know how to do anything else. Right. So I was like, how are you going to call the whole match if that's all you know how to do? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, being able to, to go out there and say, hey, could, could, I, could I get some stuff in? That's one thing, right? That's, yeah. that's, and I feel bad for the guy if, he, if he's been working there, what, a year and never gotten any offense in? Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for him then, but that's, that means that they're not, they're not training. They're just yeah, exactly using them as a punching bag. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Doesn't that isn't that kind of counterproductive? Because I mean, do you really get anything from the crowd for beating up the guy that never gets offense in anyway? Uh, not really. I mean, but I gave him a little bit of stuff. It was the first time. I don't know what company it was, but this was the first time he'd been at this other company, so he was new there. So. uh I mean, there's no point in going out and just beating up some guy. He's, he's a jobber, basically, then. And yeah. The way 
it works. You know, if you make your opponent look good, when you beat him, it's got meaning. You know, if you're just going out to beating some guy who's not getting nothing in, you're not beating anybody. Right. I mean, you can you can use beating up a jobber to be uh, useful sometime. You know, my my last gimmick was, <laughs> you remember my crazy hell preacher gimmick? It was, I had a few matches that they were like, okay, you're going to go out there and squash this. But mm-hmm. it was a vehicle for me, basically, it's like, just, just be as much of an utter bastard as you can in the course of this. So instead of it being a match, it was kind of like more of a, a blank canvas for me to paint. This is why you ought to hate me as much as you yeah. can. Yeah. But you don't do that a whole lot, right? No, few and far between. Yeah. That's... Okay. What do you think? Um, I, I want to go into one last philosophy thing before um, before we, I guess we we start to close it down. But what's your philosophy as far as like match length goes? What do you think's like about the sweet the sweet spot? And then I want to expand that out. Like, as someone that's booked, what do you think the sweet spot is for show length? Uh, show most indie show keep it on two hours or under. You can start going longer than that. Fans start to lose interest. Uh, and as far as match length, it depends on how many matches you have on the card. I mean, like a main event, 25 minutes tops. Uh, all the other ones, 10 to 15 in between there, and then with intermissions and whatever else you got going on, you can get a two-hour show out pretty easy. Um, when you say two hours on an indie show, is that including an intermission, or you kind of stop the clock on an intermission? Um, you can stop the clock on an intermission. But okay. like two hours of action... By then, people start really losing interest, you know, especially if some of the matches aren't that good. Mm-hmm. But that's been basic rule for a long time, you know, try to get your indie show in this area, and at least in this area, you know, two hours or under. Yeah, yeah. Or otherwise, they're just getting, people might just be getting tired, too, so. Well, I did a couple of shows, and, like, I got there, and it's like, oh, there's, like, 19 matches on the card tonight. Uh, <laughs> and one of the after my match. And it was after midnight, and they still had like six matches to go. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna need my money so I can leave." <laughs> yeah, good lord, I've ne- I never ran into that. Yeah, it was- yeah. Matt Man. went to WrestleMania, which was like an eight-hour show. It was at least eight hours, and by honestly, I was looking forward to the main event, but I started really like nodding off by the end of it because it was just too much. It was too long. If your wrestling show. Would man would would mean that state labor laws mean that you would have to have a lunch break in the middle of it? That means it's going too long. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's. And then the, I guess the pre-show makes it longer. That or that include the pre-show stuff. I think that did include the pre-show stuff. Oh, okay. yeah. But I mean, they this particular WrestleMania, like they did run into huge problems because it, it didn't. Basically, the show didn't end until like I think slightly after like midnight. It was like almost yeah. It was like twelve fifteen or twelve thirty. Yeah, yeah, for for a venue that's not that's outside of New York City, it wasn't in New York City. So, like literally, like the train station that most people took to get there had shut down. So oh, that's why you had like a lot of people stranded out there in uh in what was cold and rainy weather. Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot about that part. I'd be so mad. I luckily. Uh, I did it. I actually did it with um, through like the Wrestling Observer group. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so we they had part of the um, getting the tickets and everything. You uh, they had a service where you could pay like a few extra bucks to get uh, a bus there and back, and we did that. And it, it, that actually was the best uh, investment for my money because uh, I mean even then it took time to get back into the city, but at least you had you know transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we felt bad for um, for Figure Fours. Uh, for Wrestling Observer's Brian Alvarez because he actually was on our bus getting there and then he he didn't take the bus back because he was going to link up with a friend and then I think the friend like for some reason had to to, to, ban- to bail on him so Brian was stuck there. Oh, yeah, he was kind of stuck there when he ha- could have had a ride back. But oh man, yeah. Speaking of Brian Alvarez, he just had a match with Nick Gage, I think. Really? Yeah, he's been yeah. doing a lot more uh, matches this year. Yeah, because he worked Jungle Boy too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His feud with uh with the stunts was pretty entertaining. I I remember his feud. This is way long ago. He he and Larry Sweeney had a feud. Yeah. Brian's a he's actually a pretty good worker, um, and he's a, in real life he's like a, he's a, a super nice guy. Uh, it's funny though because when he when he does act a heel. It's just funny. He's pretty good at it, but then he's also like five six, maybe, <laughs> and pretty small. Well, he's maybe he's a little taller than that, but he's kind of yeah. like a small guy. I just laugh when I see Dave Melter just because he's so ripped. Oh yeah, he's he's a built dude. Yeah. Well, listen. Um, before we wrap up, Jr., I wanted to I wanted to, you know, now first of all, say thanks, and then second, um. Even though we didn't get to work together much, I always did enjoy working with you. Uh, you know, it was it was pretty easy. I thought our styles melded together pretty well. I, I think we had kind of a similar outlook on how we did stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I, I really appreciate, you know, the fact that even, even if we didn't see each other all that much, you always seemed to be pretty supportive of what I was trying to do. So I want to take an opportunity to, to say thank you publicly because... Yeah, there there weren't a whole lot of people that I, you know, had been wanting to say that kind of thank you to. <laughs> Not a problem. I'm there to help support everybody, and we always had good matches and got along. I thought so. Yeah, you're welcome. More than more than welcome. I enjoyed it too. All right. Well, um, if yeah, you guys have any more questions you'd want to put out there. Yeah, I want to run by. I want to run. Uh, I want to run my gimmick for you past him. <laughs> that I've been. Wait. So I oh, okay, go for it. Just So I've been I've been telling Shad he needs to come back to wrestling as a manager and do like the Smoky Mountain Ron Wright gimmick where he's in a wheelchair saying he <laughs> needs to hire some wrestlers to afford his um his heart medication and uh just being like being a heel obviously but trying to get the fans to pay, you know, give him money because yeah. you know he needs to pay for his pills. <laughs> money. Hey, that could be over. Like if you come out in that wheelchair, and then whenever the uh, the baby or the referee's not looking, you pop out and get some heat. Get heat <laughs> on the baby face wrestler. Yeah, and then you back in the wheelchair. That could be over. <laughs> Brad's been a big proponent of it. I'm just. I'm gonna be honest with you. Since my doctor told me you've got to hang it up, there's been a part of me, you miss it. But on the other hand, there's this part of me that's like I'm. I'm worried that showing back up would mean that I'm like. Oh God! I really want to go do this again. That's and exactly. you can even 
You can even do what, what what Smoky Mountain did and like get a PO box for fans to send you money to help you pay for like your heating <laughs> bills this winter. Mm-hmm. There you go. But yeah, that's that's been part of my concern, and I don't have as much free time as I used to. Um, you know, I've got I've got my I got my two little ones, and um, and I and and that's that's taken up a lot of time as well. So yeah, and this business takes up a lot of time. <laughs> but if if at some point I get the hankering Jr., I may hit you up so that I can. I don't think you need anyone to hit a mic for you, but uh, if if you'd like to have a if you'd like to have me do that, I'll see if I can get my mitts on a, a raggedy old wheelchair. Oh yeah, we can work in somewhere. I've got several companies I'm working for. We can always get hill manager. That's the the last thing I'm going to hit on is is um, managers. You know, we we don't see as many of them, and when we do, it seems like it's like oh oh, there's this there's this. Uh, Here's this girl that uh, we kind of got our, you know, one of the guys has his eye on. And we want to have her walk out with him. We don't see many heel managers. What's what's your opinion with that? Uh, it's always good to have one if they know what they're doing. But it seems like these days, like they just say, hey, I want to be a manager. And they throw their buddy in there. They don't give them any kind of training. I know there's been a couple of guys I've been around like that. And they're just awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few good ones out there. I mean, but then Jim Chadwick's not around anymore. He was the best, the best. Yeah. Everybody else is, is like imposters, I guess you would say. <laughs> yeah. There's there's still a few good ones around. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've worked with him, but uh, Jeff G. Bailey's really good. Mm, I don't know him. I know uh, I like Lemon Juice McGee. He's pretty good heel manager. Uh, Scott Diamond's pretty good heel manager. Uh, and in Kentucky, it's pretty short list. I mean, there's some other ones, but they're not. Not, not that good. All right. Well, Jr. Is there anything else you would like to say uh, at the end of this? Uh, you know, just everybody out there, check me out. Uh, Furnace Mountain Madman is my Jr. Rock Wrestling page on Facebook. Uh, if you want to see me in action coming up, I've got a show on September sixth at uh, American Legion in Frankfurt, and two shows on September seventh: one at Lincoln County High School and one at uh, Western Hills High School. One is in uh, Lincoln County, and the other one's in Frankfurt, or uh, KPW and USWF. Those are my next coming shows. All right. We're going to go, we're going to drop um, your, uh, we're going to drop your, your social media link and our stuff. So okay. is, is it just Facebook, or do you have any other social media uh, stuff? This is Facebook's the only one that I've got. Okay. Um, my plan is to, to drop that in the, uh, in the description. So, uh, you know, when it, whenever I put it on Instagram or Matt puts it on Twitter or Brad puts it on Facebook, uh, I, the plan is to, to put those in there so that, um, you know, we can hopefully in our vast network of listeners out there, uh, we can, we can, uh, get a few more people your way and you've got matches posted on there and that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, Jr. I want to say thanks. Thanks for being with us tonight. Um, and for everybody out there, first of all, uh, thank you for listening. Second, we are, um, you know, we're on, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we have that that Patreon that we really set up to to help with streaming fees and that sort of stuff. We want to thank you all for joining us. And um, this is Shad with Matt, Brad, and Jr. Uh, we've 
we've been in all four corners, I guess, but we'd love to hear from you, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.